0: I got to tell you, there's a a lot of developments I could point to right now in introducing my message, Um, and um, and I'll just tell you one that's very personal to me. Um, I signed up for Medicare this week. (laughs) That got me thinking about my life, you know. I mean, Medicare is for old people. I'm glad livestream doesn't pe- pick up the cheap shots that are going on right now <laughs> here in the room. That's a good thing. Uh, you know, I've been thinking a lot about my life um, because uh, in November I will turn 65, baby, 65. Yeah, you know, um, I've been asked baby. by people. <laughs> <laughs> they continue. I knew this might be risky, but... Uh, I've heard from a lot of people, um, how old are you anyway, you know, and uh, when were you born, you know, s- stuff like that. And um, so anyway, um, I, um, I, w- I w- looking back, I know, way back to my childhood, <laughs> I, um, I, f- I found myself uh, remembering something that turns out I was quite well-known for uh, though not a very flattering thing to admit to you um, let me explain yeah um, no it's not that I was a Raider fan or something like that But uh, it's related actually to my message today it's it's uh, the the topic on my mind uh, I recalled words um, that I had heard often when I was young uh, this last week um, for reasons that you'll see in a moment. Um, and I, along with being young, I'm going to say I was fairly defiant uh, as a kid. There's not a surprise look in the room right now, okay? Uh, you've heard me tell enough stories about my rather rowdy days and the fact that my parents were called in by the uh, dean of students in my high school and said, Steve's going to be one of four things. He'll be either a, a preacher, a politician, a policeman, or a prisoner. <laughs> and uh, and uh, you've heard me say I came close on all of those. So uh, the truth is um, God had a, a lot of work to do in my case, and he's done that work. Um, <clears throat> so this defiant uh kid, as I've been described by those in my family, um, it, here's a great picture of how it went. It went something like this. I was given a directive as a child, something that every parent gives a child, uh, Steve, blush, uh, brush, flush, and hush. It was just kind of the nighttime ritual, right? And my response was, unlike my brother and my sister's, I would stop and look at them and say, why? In that tone. And um, my parents' practiced answer was because I said so, right? Um, <clears throat> now, if I was at that point slow to respond, uh, and I was, uh, let's call it persuasion was applied, <laughs> and um, and it caused me to eventually comply. Uh, It doesn't take long to learn that brush, flush, and hush are easier than a spanking on my little bottom to prompt that outcome. Uh, But the truth was, I was complying on the outside. But there was this, I was still this hardcore rebel on the inside. It's like, yeah, I'll brush, I'll flush, and maybe hush, but that's it. Um, so, uh, since I'm a fairly quick study, I noticed my older brother, two years older, and my older sister, four years older, and it didn't seem to turn out that way for them on a regular basis. And, and honestly, I, I started wondering what, you know, even, even as a kid, how come they don't get it? I mean, how come they don't, you know, have these compliance measures uh, implemented in their case? You know, why? then I started looking at them like, are you weird? Why are you so compliant? You know, this is a little guy thinking these thoughts. Why are you so compliant? You know, was it, why am I picked on? Because clearly I'm being singled out here was my rather <laughs> illogical assessment of the situation. And then I started thinking uh, maybe this is that, that, that third-born trauma. You know, you've heard of it, right? It's a thing. It's really a thing out there. And they, they were happy with the first, a girl, the second, a boy, and then me, right? So I'm thinking, I'm taking it all personally, but I wondered why, why, at the basic level, why did they obey? And what was it in me that didn't want to? I've asked that question for years of little kids. I was a coach years ago of my kids' sports teams, basketball, softball. Um, I remember asking that team, and I've asked kids since, so what is it that makes you do what you're told to do by your mom or dad or both? And uh, their answers were very revealing. In fact, so revealing that they, I think, spill over into the question that's more important than my childhood. Why do we obey? or in some cases, disobey God, our Heavenly Father. You see the connection now? So let me share their answers. Their first answer was what you would guess, fear. Why do you obey your parents? Well, it was it was obvious, there, you better or else, you know, and, and there was a gulp in their answer. And, and, and it was, you know, uh, if you don't obey, they knew what persuasion meant in my family, and they apparently did the same kind of approach in their family. There were spankings, there were restrictions, and um, those things motivate. Then, then came another one which was interesting, and I remember it well. And it's pretty consistent: respect. You know, they are your parents after all, and and that makes them in charge, and they. They, that was enough for some kids. They're, they're, um, they know what they're talking about. And by the way, the Bible agrees with that. Ephesians chapter six says, of the first commandment with a promise, children, obey your parents, right? So we get that one. And the promise is a long life, a long and good life. That's not a bad payoff for obeying your parents. The third was trust, and I found that kind of interesting. Uh, trust that your parents know what's best for you. Why do you obey? Well, because they're my parents. It's not just, you know, the respect that they're my parents, but they, look, it's working for them, was some thinking in that response. So I, I trust them that they... They know that I need proper nutrition, and um, I need things like rest and um, an occasional bath as a kid. <laughs> they know those things. Here's another one, though, and I can really relate to this one as well. To avoid their disappointment. That was a big deal to me. Powerful. Powerful to me. Uh, Sometimes it was that look. My mother loved me no matter what. My dad was very conditional with the look, with the look. Steve, do this. Why? (laughs) I mean, the look was, really? You know, I had it good with child number one and child number two, but there's you. He never said that, and I think he was pretty proud, but... So the fear of disappointment and, then of course, the fear of those words. Why did you? So, Steve, why did you do? Finish the sentence. I had plenty to pick from. <laughs> or why didn't you? Meaning, I told you not to. Why, why didn't you obey me? Perhaps one or more of those are on your list, too. You think of your childhood. You think of kids that you have even grandkids today, you see some of the same patterns that roll out as to why we do or don't obey parents. That said, there's one more reason. Uh, And it seems to me to be the highest reason of all. And I'm not making this up because the Bible says so. My Bible's open to the 14th chapter of John. There are four books in the Bible, we call them. These are Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and the fourth one is John. If you're new to your Bible, we want you to know that. That's good information. The 14th chapter out of 21 chapters. Okay, so doing the quick math, we're two-thirds of the way through John when we land On this page. Um, The Bible describes this reason for us. It's, it's love. Why do you obey your parents? The highest reason you could answer with is, I love them. The same exact thing as you will read with me now is true. In John 14, when Jesus says it's love. They're inseparably linked, in fact. Uh, so let's call love the this morning the lasting motive. The enduring motive. The sustainable motive. Think gas in your tank as a motive. The sustainable motive... For obedience I want us to visit now an intense and uh, very intimate evening that Jesus is having with his disciples there's a context statement that will entice you to read further than we have time for this morning and that is this is chapter 14 of John it's part of one evening that is reported and it t- takes five chapters for John to tell us what took place on this, the last evening Jesus had with his disciples before the next morning he was on a cross giving his life for them and for us, okay? So John 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17 actually all happened that night, okay? We're in the second chapter. They're in the upper room, John chapter 14. And um, as, as most of you were there, I want to have you hear these really impactful words by Chuck Colson and he makes a connection. He's with Jesus now, so uh, I'm sure he's seeing how how true his connection was in a book that he wrote that continues to impact my life. It's called Loving God. And it's when Chuck Colson went from a criminal to a converted sinner and a follower, a passionate follower of Jesus Christ. He said this in that book Uh, of the connection we're trying to draw attention to here this morning. A passionate desire to obey and please God is the beginning of loving God. Some of you are writing that down. I'll say it again. A passionate desire. Something in you says, "I, I don't know exactly why, but I want to do this. I want to do what he says. We heard Angelina say that. When God told me, I wanted to do it i got to say, there's got to be love there. Maybe there's lesser reasons, but I think that's present for sure. So here's the deal. Colson said it's a passionate desire to obey and please God, which marks the start of loving God. Okay. So uh, this, the last night, he uh, places a high-priority, Uh, on obedience. Um, If you love me, he starts, verse 15, keep my commandments. Some of your versions say, obey me. Same story. Starts with, if you love me, obey me. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. He's introducing the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you, and I love this expression, and it's not a mistake in the text, and will be in you. That's the game changer. The Holy Spirit walked with people since Pentecost, which we've looked at in Acts chapter 2, and we're going to return to Acts in our study and finish the book of Acts in two weeks from today. The Holy Spirit, since Acts chapter 2 and his coming as promised by Jesus to live inside of us, anybody who bows their knee to Jesus... And says, "I surrender to you. I confess my sins to you. I plead with you for forgiveness. Will not only be forgiven, but have the Holy Spirit come to take up residence in us." Amen? Amen. That's so cool. That's amazing. It's not a book you have to follow. It's not, you know, get down some, you know, some commands and learn to live them. It's welcome the Holy Spirit, who's gonna help you. He will live in you, live with you, and be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. Jesus continues, "I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore. Boy, was that true. But you will see me because I live. You also will live. On that day, you will realize something. Think of a light bulb going, turning on." you're going to have this aha moment that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. That's why I called this an intense and intimate conversation we're listening into. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father and I too will love them and show myself to them. Now there's a break. My text has it in different color to announce it. Judas, not the betrayer Iscariot, a different Judas disciple said, Lord, why do you intend to show us? Why are you going to reveal yourself to us and not to everyone else? Jesus replied, anyone who loves me and you do will obey my teaching." My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey me. He will not obey my teachings. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. Did you hear what he's saying at the heart of this? Love is the motive of our obedience. Verse 15 is worth reading again and again. If you love me, keep my commandments. Keep my commandments seems to be the thing that we emphasize, and not for, uh, not incorrectly. It's an important thing. It's obedience. But we need to start with the love part. We need to say, as Jesus said, in a question form, really, if you love me, and you say you do, think of the, watch my fingers. This is vertical, and this is horizontal, okay? If you love me, then live it out. Obey me. Do as I have commanded you to do. Um, the... There's, a, there's a, an empowerment being described in the next two verses, 16 and 17, which has to do with this needed helper. Philip Yancey used to tell the different titles of the Holy Spirit, helper, comforter, encourager, um, interceder, Romans 8, all and many more. And he would mention those. He'd say, have you, have you stopped? recently and wondered why he was given all those labels the Holy Spirit is one proper noun proper language for him but why is he the, the helper why is he um this 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 empowerer he's your advocate here to help you the answer says very simply you know why because you need help that's it Help has arrived. I'm not with you anymore. I'm I'm within you. I'm living in a a way to empower you. This This is to top the list of reasons, in fact, for why we obey God. Because obedience, let's just admit it out loud, is not easy at times. It's really easy to do a lot of Christian things when we're together, isn't it? I mean, I feel like that. Um, I'm married to a wonderful Christian woman. She's married to a Christian man. <laughs> <laughs> and you notice I left out wonderful. But uh, no, we, it's easy. Most of the time. But we have to work at it too. I work at a Christian job. (laughs) I'm not being cute either. Um, Not everybody behaves like Christians that come in the door. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying I don't have to hide the fact that I'm a Christian. I don't even have to hide my Bible. I have about a stack of them in my office of different translations. And if you came... With some uh, bad behavior to confess, you're trembling. You're not sure how to get it out. Somewhere in there, you're going to expect me to bring out the Bible and, and, and do better than what I have to give you. I'm going to try to find what God has to say to you. That's my priority, just so you know. But that's not true in other jobs. You can have an affair on your hands. You could commit to adultery. And, and any other job says, who cares? Do not bring that into the workplace. It's not easy to work there. Um, the, some of us are uh, probably faced with the hardest thing of all. And when it comes to obedience, this will test you to forgive someone who hasn't even admitted they're sorry. You see what I mean? So obedience is tied to this love thing for good reason, for good cause. Because you can you can choose one of those other ways. Well I'm I'm gonna get through this because I fear God. So I'm gonna obey him. Or or because I Respect God or trust God or even don't want God to be disappointed. And all of those might play a, a part, but Jesus is saying, take your game up. It's about love. Keep your eyes on me and the love you see in me for you, and things are going to look differently. You'll suddenly feel this high-octane fuel start to course through your veins to help you obey when it's not easy to do. And I could go on and on with a bunch of other examples. God wants obedience from his people. Here's the deal. No matter what the circumstances might be and no no matter what the outcome obey me. There's not a condition here. It's just a question. Do you love me? Because if you love me, it's going gonna, it's gonna to translate into obedience. Uh, love has motivated many people in this book, our Bible, to obey. In fact, it's a long list. Uh, for example, most of the great figures in the Old Testament Uh, You want to look at a list of them. Go to Hebrews 11. Freshen up. You've been there before, but maybe check it out with what I'm saying. Most of those people in the Old Testament died without seeing the outcome of what had been promised to them. How do you do that? How do you stay focused and obedient to do what God asked you to do that's extraordinary? And, and you stay at, what sustained them through such things? We got time. Look at this. Hold right here and go over to chapter 11 of Hebrews. It's, you're near the back of the Bible here. Hebrews 11, just go to verse uh, 32, okay? Turn there. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32. What sustained these people to do what I'm about to read? The the writer of Hebrews says what more shall I say he's been given example after example Abraham and Moses and Jonah and all these people he says I don't have time to tell you about Gideon Barak Samson Jephthah about David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms administering justice and gained what was promised who shut the mouths of lions quenched the fury of the flames escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, who became powerful in battle and routed foreign enemies. We don't even have time to mention all their names. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were, this list is even painful to read, they were tortured. They refused to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Verse 36, some faced jeers And flogging, that's beaten beyond belief. Even chains and imprisonment. And they were put to death by stoning. They were sawn in two. They were killed by the sword. They hid in sheepskins, goatskins, destitute, persecuted, mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and lived in caves and in holes in the ground. Why? I submit to you, it wasn't that they were afraid of God. They had a love for God. They had a love that said, I want you, God, to get all the glory. I don't see how you can with what I'm going through. But because I love you and because I I, I believe that you have a, a, a plan that works together for the good, Romans 8. Verse 28. I will steadfastly stand there. Amen. That's so where I'm going to stay. I think everyone, I'm putting words in their mouth, but I think they would say the same. If the Old Testament's too far away, you can't relate. Take Paul the apostle. We're learning a lot about him in our study of Acts. And if you if you realize w- where he came from and then The energy that sustained him. How could it be anything but love? He, in his career as a Jesus follower, he was not always that. Read Acts chapter 9 and you'll see. But when he met Jesus, everything changed and he followed Jesus with all of his heart. Okay? And, And here's the deal. He planted churches all over the Mediterranean. And then late in his life, about to turn for home and be with Jesus, what did those churches look like? Those flourishing centers of worshipers? Not a chance. They were a a, a series of small, struggling groups, uh, infighting, uh, struggling with understanding theology and in some cases embracing bad thought. Bad thinking. But still he obeyed. I want to tell you two other examples, three real quick. The first, there's a guy named Cotton Mather. Do you remember that name in history? It's a, it's actually U.S. history. He was a great colonial pastor in the American history books who prayed for revival. I just can't even fathom this. I, I got stuck when I read this about him. He prayed for revival several hours a year. (laughs) That would be a huge commitment in my mind. A month? You know where I'm going. A day. A day. He prayed for this. Uh, And the great awakening, which happened in America, actually happened. It began the year he died and turned for home. You wonder how many days, I didn't do the calculation, but over 20 years of praying, hours every day. And the year he died is the year the Great Awakening happened in America. Debbie and I just saw, uh, with some friends, the Jesus Revolution. And how many cried in that movie? I did. Uh, We did. There was these tears of remembering it. We were there. We were... Uh, I'm not that old, but we were there uh, and and it was powerful and and long before that, there was obedience that powered that was powered in Cotton Mather with love. Then comes along um, some unforgettable, unforgettable development in Britain. William Wilberforce. Uh, I was. Freshly impressed with the fact that he um, he gave 50 years of his life to abolishing slavery. 50 years. And it was on his deathbed, exhausted, that the campaign against human bondage was successful. 50 years. Obedience sustained by love. And here's one that any missionary tears up to to hear. Hudson Taylor. Um, Lifelong mission in Asia. Uh, Probably a guy that will spend a lot of time with Jeremiah because he gave his life on a mission to turn Judas around, to repent of their sins and he gave 40 years of his life Hudson Taylor longer than that his whole life in Asia planting seeds of the gospel very 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 sparse fruit but ask any Chinese lover of Jesus today and they will tell you the roots trace all the way back to Hudson Taylor planted and tended seeds of the gospel. The rest is history, right? Powerful stuff. Obedience despite circumstances and obedience despite the outcome. So that's a big list I just mentioned. Long, long ago and more in our last several centuries of people who obeyed God In a sustained way because of love. It was the motivator that kept them pressing ahead. It's the evidence. Let me show you again as as you look at three verses. Just, we've read them already. Whoever has my commands, verse 21, and keeps them is the one who loves me. Obedience is evidenced in our love. That's Verse 21. Look just a little down the page of verse 23. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. There's a one-to-one relationship here. And verse 24, anyone who does not love me, you don't have gas in your tank, is what he's saying here. You don't have the needed stuff to do what I'm commanding you to do, to live for me. Um. We can talk all we want about loving God. And we do that a lot. The purpose of worship is to draw us into his presence and cause us to respond in love to what he's done. Uh, Ron uh, quoted 1 John 4.10 this morning. We love because he first loved us. That's true. And, um, and, and if, we're, if we're not obeying him, then in Jesus' words, I'll read it again, verse 24, I'm not sure you're loving me the way I'm describing. Um, Love is a fuel, and it powers people to do as they are commanded I hear people say, you know, I love God a lot. And then when they get to s- sections of scripture, 1 Peter 4, for example, says we all have been given a gift and we're supposed to use that gift. And, and they're not using their gift. They say things like, well, you know what, I don't have time in my schedule. Am I going too far to say then don't call it love? I, I don't know. Let's just say there's, an, there's a couple of clicks off there. Or here's another one. If Jesus said, give to me, and he does a lot, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, for example, tell us. He's given us resources for, for his glory and for our good. Sometimes we miss the first part and say, no, I don't. Uh, this church is so willing to release resources. When I say that, I don't mean everybody. I mean, there are some that have a hold back, and they say, well, you know, I will when I can afford to. I will give when I can afford to. And, and I'm, I'm just saying, well, I, I just don't see conditions like that or caveats like that in the Bible. So let's talk about it if that's been a sticking point for you. Uh, you, you might even hear a broad word we sang about it already trust. Trust me, Jesus says. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, Proverbs 3, verse 5 says. Not on the biggies and ignore the little ones. In everything, trust me with all your heart. Okay, so if he says that, and we say things like, Well, I, I will, Lord, but ugh, there's limits. I have my limits. That's in the area that I haven't, I'm not, I'm not there. Can you at least agree? Pray a prayer. Lord, I want to show my love for you by, by trusting you. You've told us to trust you. You expect us to obey that. Um, So obedience is evidenced in loving God. Oswald Chambers, in his book, My Utmost for His Highest, said this If my relationship to him is that of love, I will obey what he says without hesitation. If my relationship to him is that of love, then I'm going to do what he says to do without hesitation. Do you? I, I, I want you to please be reminded that I don't, I don't say that because it's something to make you squirm. I say that to confess to you, I've been squirming all week. <laughs> all right. This is not an easy message. Uh, we've already established some of the things he asks us to do are not easy to do. But he still puts that in front of us that we obey as Oswald would say without hesitation and, and it seems to me to be fair to what God expects of us it's, it, it really isn't hard at some level or complicated is there something if it is for you hard or complicated is there something that's holding you back from living your whole life in loving obedience to him. You think about that. It's not Sunday obedience. It's not in some ways obedience. It's every day, every way. The Apostle John wrote in one of his postcards, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, he wrote those. And in 1st John chapter 5, he says this, For this is the love of God. I'm about to tell you, verse 3. That we obey his commands and he adds this. And his commands, almost like he's trying to say, don't bristle, don't step back, don't fold your arms and resist. His, This is the love of God that we obey his commands. And his commands, if you love him, are not difficult to obey. God never gave us a single command in His Word that we couldn't obey with the help of the Holy Spirit. Don't try it on your own. You will stop short. But say, Holy Spirit, this is a tall mountain, and I get winded quick. Help me climb it. bow with me this morning have there been let me say it again while you're more reflective for a moment just to close your eyes and let God talk to your heart if, 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 if there are limits on your obedience would you be honest enough to say maybe there's a love problem in my heart I, I'm not sure what it is Maybe that, that that Psalm 139 says, search me, oh God. I need your help to search this out, Lord. There's a moment to do that now this morning. If something stands in your way from obeying Jesus all the way, then give it to God and ask him a simple prayer. Ask him to take it out of the way. obeying God for you is on and off. I know of only one remedy to give him full access to your heart today. Ask him to grow a heart of love in you for him that will result in joyful obedience to everything he asks of me. I'll obey you Lord. Is that your yes this morning? If there's things in the way will you pray to him as we sing and respond to